When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest sharing stories of empowerment, leaving you inspired, educated. And today I have Daphne Valson, and she's helping mission-driven leaders build a firm foundation. She's got a very resilient story. We're going to talk about productivity hacks. We're going to talk about self-employment, personal mission, and I'm really excited to have her on the show. So Daphne, welcome. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, kind of tell people you're, you know, I'm always, always interested in the uh, Superman story. So tell people your origin story and what you do now. Sure. So um, I've always had a passion for helping and supporting um, individuals. I spoke at my preschool graduation. My mommy says, I don't have any <laughs> of that. And then was chosen to be a woman of tomorrow speaker. Um, so I spoke in front of my school in Miami, so hundreds of students in elementary school. I do remember that. Spoke at my college graduation at the University of Florida. So other people always tended to see something in me um, when it came to how I was with others. And I kind of saw it in myself, but I like to work in the background. So fast forward, I wanted to get an MBA and work for a consulting firm. Um, but then I met my husband and decided to switch career tracks to something that may be um, even better for me when it comes to having a growing family. If I was, you know, if we were to get married and all that kind of stuff. We got married within a year of knowing one another. Um, I got my life coaching, started my life coaching certification the same month that we were engaged. Um, and about six months into starting my business, I wanted to shut it down because I thought you were going to launch a business and... <laughs> All the clients were going to come and it was going to be awesome. But apparently businesses take more work. Um, so I decided to keep going with encouragement from my husband. And about, I would say a year later, my revenues were on par with with salary, basically, um, that I had had previously. So I was able to not do any side gigs and only do my business within about a year of launching and about a year and a half be able to have a, a salary. So that's kind of a little bit of my background in a nutshell. Yeah, <laughs> really interesting. And um, so kind of talk about, you know, using your why to drive your personal mission forward. Sure. So I think that in life in general, there's so many different challenges. As people say, life be life in, right? So there's all kinds of things going on with family, with what we perceive ourselves to be, uh, whether it's good or bad, um, different challenges that we experience in our youth and how those impact the way that we think. But what I know from being in business for a while and then just being very resilient um, in life is that if you can understand the things that motivate you most, that can actually help to push you when you don't feel like moving forward anymore. In short, um, one of my biggest whys is my mom. She is an immigrant to the United States from Haiti. Mm -hmm. When she moved here, she didn't speak any English. She grew up with her family not having very much money. And 
in short, she made her way from working at a factory, um, not ma making very much money, to working at a bank when she learned more English, to getting her associate's degree when she um, became 25, to getting her bachelor's degree when she became 40, and buying herself a house, right, that we all lived in, buying her a car, buying my dad a car, buying me a car, buying my brother a car, <laughs> sending us to school and sending people to school all around the world, coming from a background where she didn't have very much when she was growing up. So she's one of my biggest motivations when I'm like, oh man, things are getting hard. I'm like, but I want to make my mom proud and I want to be her legacy. Um, I want my grandchildren um, and my children to see me in a similar way that I see my mother when it comes to how she inspires me. So that's my why. But everyone has to figure out, is your why money? Is it success? Is it a feeling of success? Is it how people perceive you? Is it living in a peaceful neighborhood? Is it um, a dollar number in your business that signifies you've done the things that you wanted to do to get to a certain place? Respect. So knowing what your why is, even if it's spiritual, for some people it's self-actualization based on some sort of you know spiritual principles, that can help you to be able to move further faster. I love that. I love the very inspiring story of um, you know the grit and hard work. Um, and it's quite interesting because you know the way you describe success is really not what you hear about in the mainstream media. And I think, you know, I was talking to another guest, I think, you know, mainstream media is now just a propaganda machine. Uh, and I love that your why and you know, every person's definition of success is different. People are looking for different things, different needs, wants. And I love this idea. So you, your personal mission to drive you forward faster. And so kind of talk about uh, you have productivity hacks to transform your life, work and business. What, what are those? Sure. So there's so many, but I'll share a few. I'll share a few that I think are some of the most helpful. So I once saw an interview by uh, with this gentleman, um, Edward Hollowell and Marie Forleo, and she was interviewing him about why smart people underperform. And uh, based on um, Christopher's background, I'm assuming that many of the people who are watching this would probably call yourselves ambitious people, right? Who do great things. And so I consider myself the same. So I watched this interview. And one of the biggest things he say, says is that we set way too many goals. And because of that, we don't achieve very many of them. So he suggested, and I would suggest setting three major goals a year, three major goals a month, three major goals uh, a week, three major a day. And I had a client say, well, is that three major at work and three at home? And I said, <laughs> well, Edward Hollowell said three a day. <laughs> so I would say three total a day. But if we're thinking about it on a more granular basis, if you have a work schedule where you're working, you know, nine to five, um, or you have a work schedule where maybe you're doing a side hustle and you're working at four hours, I also believe that you can ask yourself within this work time, what are the top one to three things that I would like to accomplish? Because if not, there's so many different things that are distracting us, so many little things, administrative things that can take our attention when we have to think about what is most of value to me. And if you're working for someone else, what is most of value to my employer? So the rule of threes. And then there's something that I, I talk about as targeted time. So I made this up. This is so you won't find this anywhere. 
So um, if you think about a target, right? So you think about throwing a dart and you're trying to throw it right in the center. Um, in order to prioritize your time well, we have to get the priority right and the time block that it goes in correct. If you're using the ball and you're throwing it at, at the target, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. <laughs> and if you're throwing the dart on the outside, that's not where you're trying to do it, right? So there are certain activities in every one of our lives professionally that we know it goes best in the morning or it goes best in the evening. It goes best when you write when we first wake up. So my business, I have a six-figure business, right? But I didn't because I wasn't sewing anything. I wasn't trying to call anyone to follow up. I didn't even like to do the, the marketing part of my business, even though my undergrad is in public relations. So what I do is, and this, this is something practical you can do, close out all the tabs that are not associated with my priorities for the morning. The evening before I work, I only have the tabs open that are the things that I need to do in the morning. I know that my revenue generating activities and my marketing needs to be done in the morning. So we're identifying what are the top three things that we need to do for the whole day, right? And if you're thinking about just your business or your work and your work and your business, that's fine. <laughs> One to three things. But then you're taking away everything else off of your computer that is not what you're supposed to be focused on the day before. So when you get in front of your computer, you're able to see what is priority. So those are two different, well, actually, I probably said a few different hacks in there, but targeted time, knowing the rule of threes, and then using your tabs to kind of decrease your uh, tendency to procrastinate or to be distracted. And we all get distracted and, and that's okay. But there are certain things that we could do to reduce that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love this. I love that, um, you know, targeted time and just kind of, you know, uh, I have a timer that's really helped, you know, 30 minutes, just focused, you know, no distractions. So kind of moving into you talking about using these productivity hacks and you're developing your, your balancing life, family life and professional life to win at both. But what do you think that so many are finding it challenging to balance their lives personally and professionally? Yeah. So someone was talking about this yesterday, um, how our parents didn't have work to take home. Usually they worked and they came home unless they were on call. Right. Unless your parent was a, a doctor or something <laughs> like that. Um, they worked and they got home and they were home um, in our generation. The, so I'm, I'm a millennial. We had the laptop get really popular before it was desktop. So you couldn't take your work. home. <laughs> right. So the laptop got really popular. Cell phones became super popular around that time as well. Um, we didn't have our parents. My mom had a cell phone she used like twice a year <laughs> because it cost so much to use and not many people had them, right? So we have cell phones. And then with the pandemic, more people started to work from home. So we didn't have a very specific cutoff time unless you worked a certain job where you weren't allowed to, to take work home. In business, and I think even in certain other career professional jobs, there's also the temptation that the more I work, the more money I will make. And the more money I will make, the better life will be. However, um, here's something that I've noticed. I had the opportunity to work with all kinds of people, um, people who are very under-resourced in my life. And I've also had the chance to work with very wealthy people. And here's what I've discovered. If you don't take care of the things that are most meaningful for you, for example, family, romantic relationship, your home, 
your balance, you can have a lot of wealth and still be very unhappy. So having that cut off so that you can go skateboarding, even though you're 50 something years old, that's great. Or go play saxophone if that's what you love to do, or go run or walk or exercise or meditate or do yoga or spend time with your children. Um, life can be challenging if you don't put those things in, in the right boxes. So for me, what that looks like is I try to do work while my children are at school. And when they're at home, I try to be, I call it an after-school mom. So we're doing activities, we're doing some dancing, I'm doing homework, I'm cooking. And then when they go back to sleep, I can do some more administrative stuff. I sneak it in. (laughs) So that is why it's so important to have that balance. But that's where the I think the lack of balance comes from technology and just kind of societal norms and how those have changed as well. Yeah. Um, So kind of, you know, talking about, you know, balance and then talking about this leadership role. And one thing is, you know, what's the one thing you see preventing senior leaders from thriving in their roles? So that is a very good question. Um, I feel like the number one thing is lack of understanding of how to have difficult conversations um, that need to be had. So there's a book called Crucial Conversations, and that book cites like the top maybe 20 percent uh, most successful people in every company know how to have very crucial conversations, no matter the level of whoever they're talking to. They can talk to a senior VP, they can talk to their direct reports, they can talk to their colleagues and share feedback or share suggested shifts um, or maybe share about what happened in an awkward conversation um, the week before and how they wanna move forward. So I think that's probably the number one, even if you're asking for a promotion or a salary, it can be a difficult conversation, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And what- what what should any leader be doing now to position themselves for a promotion? Yeah, so a few things. I think one, um, this is going to sound cliche, but understanding your value. Here's what I mean by that. If you haven't heard this already, um, everyone should have a document that you're keeping outside of your work <laughs> folder, outside of your work email address that keeps track of the different accomplishments that you are achieving in your role, I would say on a weekly basis. I can't tell you how many clients I've had um, who are executive coaching clients where I'm asking them to tell me about maybe how much revenue they've generated within their position or sales numbers or the amount of people that they've trained or um, the amount of maybe clients they've served or the revenue of that client. And they knew it when they worked on a certain project but they've completely forgotten about it. And they've completely forgotten about the impact they had in certain projects. Um, So every week, if I were you, I would keep track of those accomplishments on a document. And you can use those accomplishments to be able to communicate that to your leadership. You should be communicating those wins to your mentors and internal sponsors within the company. So people who can create opportunities for you or share opportunities with you. But also even later, if you choose to transition from your role into a different role internally or externally, um, those accomplishments can help you. One of the things I was telling a client even this morning is that in order to go from where you are to where you want to be, you need to position yourself as someone who creates impact and who is able to create and develop new ideas and new projects. But she um, couldn't quite communicate that yet. But she's done it. She's done it. So 
there's one thing is doing it. The other is tracking it. And then the, the next thing is being able to communicate it. And I think the other thing, the other next important thing that I think is important is that crucial conversations piece. So many people are afraid to um, ask for whatever it is that they need or ask for what it is that they want for a number of reasons. It could be cultural. So my family is from the Caribbean. I'm Haitian American. So you're taught to respect authority um, and kind of do your work <laughs> and do your work in excellence. And respecting authority means not talking back as well, right? But asking for what you want or need is not talking back. It's just asking for what you want or need. So a reframing needs to happen for those who maybe are hesitant to have difficult conversations to understand what it is that they need. Um, I'm also a DISC um, practitioner. So I do DISC workshops and DISC trainings. So sometimes it's understanding that people's styles are different. So if you're someone who maybe is very dominant, knowing how to talk to someone who maybe seems a lot less dominant and how to make that be okay. Or if you're less dominant or you're very engaging, how to talk to someone who maybe their personality is more dominant and seems like they would push back, but maybe they wouldn't. So understanding how to have those crucial conversations is also really, really important as well. Yeah. How can people contact you, um, follow you, reach out to you, check out your work, et cetera? Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Daphne Bowson. So um, you can also find me on um, Instagram, uh, again, at Daphne Bowson. Uh, and you'll see my name on the screen if you're watching. And if you're listening, it's D-A-P-H-N-E. Last name is V-A-L-C-I-N. Um, and my website is DaphneBowson.com. So any of those ways works for me. Yeah. And uh, for all the listeners out there, let's thank Daphne for coming on and uh, really interesting discussion. Uh, be sure to check out all her social media links. These will be in the show notes and be sure to check out her website as well. And um, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure.